For some people, Bangalore represents this cosmopolitan city. For some people, they think of it as being this energetic young place. People see Bangalore as a city where new beginnings can be made. So you could come from somewhere else and start all over again. You could have been in the city for a long time, but you can reinvent yourself and be something else that you wish to be. So you could technically build certain brand characteristics of a vibrant city through, let's say, something like unboxing Bangalore Habba. If you are able to successfully pull it off in year one and consistently stay with it for a few years. The irony is in the early days when the boom, etc. started and people started calling this the Silicon Valley of this part of the world. The reality of Bangalore was there were more people in the garment industry than in the tech industry. Many cities in India are symbols of the past, but Bangalore, more than any city in India, is a sign of the future. Are we on? Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Uru Labs podcast from Bengaluru. Ever complain how bad our cities are, how bad your commute is? You'll get to hear from people who are working to solve these problems in their own way. This is your weekly soapbox for urban sustainability. I am your host, Satya Shankaran. Ravichandar V is a part of the Bengaluru Restructuring Committee. He spoke to Uru Labs at length in episode 24 about should Bengaluru be split? I will link that show in the show notes for you so you can go back and take a look at it. In part two of his appearance, we will talk to him today about the new avatar of the Bengaluru restructuring team as the brand Bengaluru committee and some of the other uh, complementary activities he has been involved in like the unboxing Bengaluru Habba and the BLR Lit Fest. Welcome back to the show, Ravi. Thanks for being on the show again. Thanks, Satya. Thanks for having me. So, uh, lots of activities. I've been seeing some things happening around town and hearing a lot of things. Uh, Brand Bengaluru is the next big thing that's coming up. What is Brand Bengaluru? Uh, I wish, I mean, at the end of the day, the brand is what the space occupied in your mind. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it can be good things. It can be not so good things. So, it depends what space Bangalore occupies in people's mind. I mean, historically, there was a time as this pensioner's paradise, garden city. And then there was this uh, time about tech city, then garbage city, traffic uh, thing. Trevor Noah actually, you know, it reverberated around the globe when Trevor Noah said that Bangalore is not a sound city given the problems he had. So it all depends at, the, at different points of time. You know, Brand Bangalore has come into focus after, you know, the DCM, Mr. D.K. Shokumar, has specifically called out that Brand Bangalore is a focus area for him. Ever since then, if you see the newspaper reports around the city, it is a repeat. Uh, I mean, you repeatedly hear this Brand Bangalore, Brand Bangalore word. And ironically, our, you know, the three-member BBMP restructuring committee is now a four-member with uh, Professor Rajiv Gowda brand Bangalore committee. So that's really what it happened. But the question really is, what do you want brand Bangalore to be known for? And it needs to be something which is credible. So is is anything that Bengaluru is known for, can that be called a brand? So if tomorrow we have garbage and people start complaining about garbage and it starts suddenly making news, does that become a brand? What exactly does a brand mean? Uh, uh, and how do you kind of identify this is brand? Who determines what is the brand? So just to your garbage question, just because we have a garbage garbage problem doesn't become mean that it becomes a garbage city, even though the odd 
paper may carry that term. Finally, it is a residual content in people's head. For some people, Bangalore represents this cosmopolitan city. For some people, they think of it as being this energetic young place and uh, this whole techie kind of thing tends to determine this in what I would call the middle class and upper middle class. But there's another group for whom this could well be, as there's a new book coming out, Unboxing uh, Bengaluru, their byline is a city of new beginnings. So the hypothesis construct of that book, in a sense, is that people see Bengaluru as a city where new beginnings can be made. So you could come from somewhere else and start all over again. You could have been in the city for a long time, but you can reinvent yourself and be something else that you wish to be. So there they're actually, based on interviews, essentially say making the case that the all-encompassing term for what Bangalore is captured in the word a city of new beginnings. Now it all determines, it depends on your perspective whether you buy into the new beginning story, for example. But that said, from a pure, you know, if, let's say if a city is about job creation, quality of work and leisure, from a government point of view, you want this to be a place that gets investments, creates jobs, provides livelihoods, and is a livable city. Broadly, if you can deliver around this whole mix, Essentially, you have the constituents of a credible brand that you can build. So now, for example, uh, in terms of what I, I always use this expression, hard infrastructure and soft infrastructure. So the hard infrastructure is something that you started the podcast with, saying challenges of garbage and traffic and uh, uh, transport and the like. That is what I would call the rigid, fixed, hard infrastructure, which you normally expect government to provide. And that is not in a particularly good place. There is the other aspect, which is the soft infrastructure of the city, which manifests itself in spaces for conversations, arts and culture. I believe that a city where public spaces can come alive, where communities can gather like of old, that is where a city really comes together, develops its identity and the like. Now, that is the soft infrastructure which is less dependent on government. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it has zero dependence on government, but it's an area where the private civil society, society itself, can, the community can come together and make that soft infrastructure better. So you mentioned unboxing uh, Bangalore Habba. So that really is a reaction to try and say that can Bangalore become the go-to destination for two weeks every December hmm. where people in India, South Asia, they say, hey, Bangalore is the happening place for these two weeks. And let me plan a trip out there. So you could technically build certain brand characteristics of a vibrant city through, let's say, something like unboxing Bangalore Habba. If you are able to successfully pull it off in year one and consistently stay with it for a few years. So before I delve a little bit into what are the different things that's happening inside of the unboxing Bengaluru Hapa. You already defined that it is a two-week festivities of many different things. The Again, the brand question is something, right? Bengaluru has been known as the guard, pensioner's paradise, the garden city for many decades. And then over time, when we discovered the economic boom and the IT boom and everything, we 
began to be called the innovation hub and we've got our uh, made our chops or whatever in the international arena as the top innovation hubs now those are things that stick in people's mind and we have also been called a garbage city but beyond that these are the nicer things that i've held for it there are uh, monikers that change over time like this did the brand bengaluru actually change to from being a pensioners paradise to innovation hub will the city of new beginnings maybe change into something different uh, at some point in time is it static like god's own country for example is it going to stay that way and does god's own country leverages natural infrastructure or whatever it is are we trying to do that or are we playing on the economy what is and for, livability is something that everybody craves for but every city wants to be that it's not a brand in itself but it is almost like a necessary condition is that you right so how do you see this brand playing out are you redefining it are you going to leverage something that is there or is just everything that you think is already or or defining something new so you know when you use god's own country the equivalent karnataka tourism uh, slogan one state many worlds many worlds to basically show that there are many options in the tourism front but coming specifically to bangalore you know you mentioned the pensioners paradise there's a saying which says nostalgia isn't what it used to be so to answer your question the brand is something which tends to be a little dynamic i mean it does morph into newer things as time passes it is not definitely not static but the most important thing if a brand is to sustain itself it needs to be authentic it needs to be credible if it is what characteristics of being authentic and credible then it is believable and the experience matches the promise and the brand strengthens yourself in your mind so if it's a consumer good which promises let's say for i mean the most generic one is value for money you believe that for the price that you're paid is great value and and that could uh, extend itself to low price goods as well as high price goods but at the end of the day if more and more people believe it's good value for money that becomes a kind of a brand positioning for that particular brand somebody else as connotations of a pre- premium aspirational brand not for everybody kind of stick you know you mentioned about tech and silicon city the irony is in the early days when the boom etc started and people started calling this the silicon valley of this part of the world the reality of bangalore was there were more people in the garment industry than in the tech industry but nobody said that this is the garment sector just like but you do say surat is diamonds for example so some things just take character and uh, you know uh, jawalal nehru famously once said in 1962 when he came here i know he's not in fashion currently in, at the country level but he did say many cities in india are symbols of the past but bangalore more than any city in india is a sign of the future so he saw bangalore as a possible futuristic city the only irony of that speech by jawalal nehru he made it at the opening of the bangalore municipal corporation that is where he said that <laughs> that at that point of time i'm sure he was looking out at bangalore city and saying that that's what you guys can become therefore to my mind the brand is a constantly evolving you have to work at it and so that is how i see the brand for example if we see in our brand bangalore committee which is a government appointed committee where we are trying to figure out 
we are talking obviously to a lot of people who are involved in the livability aspects of health, education, travel, uh, waste management and the like, because we think that that's the basic foundation. And we believe that government, those are what I would call hygiene factors. Mm. It is something that is necessary condition to build other things on. If, at the, if that is crumbling, then you're on quicksand in anything that you try to do. So one of the efforts of the Brand Bangalore Committee is to try and understand from individual experts who have worked for 20, 30 years, what is it that are five or seven things that we need to do to fix it? It's not easy. There's lack of resources. There's lack of money. There's lack of I mean, sufficient time to apply your mind at the highest level. But the idea of the Brand Bangalore Committee is more to see, can we have a foundation block that you can build on? Efforts like what people do in the city, like you know, I'm part of Bangalore International Center, I'm part of Bangalore Literature Festival. I work with a lot of uh, arts and culture community, Atakalari, and a whole lot of others. What we are there trying to do is to really try and say that, look, can we build a cool brand around being this uh, hip uh, kind of arts and culture place, a city that works across the spectrum? So when I say arts and culture, it is not just the elitist art and culture. It is also the Karaga Festival and the Kandakai Parishe and the Flower Show and other stuff. So it's really something for everyone. Can we do arts and culture in a manner that everybody across the spectrum feels it's cool and they like it? So let's look at again the role of this Bangalore Register. Why did the government feel that they need to brand it now? Didn't the tag of being an innovation hub, top five innovation hub in the world, wasn't that enough? Did we have to do this rebranding again? Well, I know I don't know what DK Shukumar was thinking, but obviously you are doing certain things in the committee to make that a reality. Do you think what is the role of the government in in trying to define this now, and how are they going to use government resources to pull this off? Do you think those are certain things that the government needs to do because this branding has been coming about because of some activities in the civic space and the industrial space that necessarily is not driven by the government at all. Yeah. Thus, I don't know about one state many worlds, but this uh, God's own country was definitely a creation of a tourism department. Typically, that's who does it. You know, we haven't seen a city brand itself in a... Uh, do you have any examples of who has done that before and how will this work out? I mean, London, Edinburgh, there are lots of global cities which try to define, mm-hmm. but by a series of activities that become effectively the brand of the city. See, it is not possible to do a top-down. I mean, the Deputy Chief Minister has a certain vision and by bringing Brand Bangalore, at least the term Brand Bangalore up front and center, for example, there is a civic group that has written in to the yeah. government and to the committee saying that before you start jumping into saying what is brand Bangalore, can we fix the roads? Can we have water? Can we uh, have pothole-free roads and deal with garbage? For many people, that really is the brand. So, and I have nothing to quarrel with that letter. That letter has a lot of truisms saying that you need to fix. So to the question about what role does the government have to do, in my head, the government needs to be an enabler of a better city. The government should not be the 800-pound gorilla in our collective lives in the middle of the road, more as an obstructionist, not allowing you to do anything, but actually learn the definition of what it needs to be an enabler. Now, as we are seeing currently with the guarantee schemes, 
that while they're desirable, so I have nothing per se against the KRND schemes and the uh, uh, marginalized sections do definitely need relief. I'm for that. But it does bring constraints on resources. The government is not necessarily the best allocator of resources that it has got. It is not the best, most efficient spender of resources. So the question really for the government to ask, what does it mean for me to be an enabler? Mm. And if I do my role as an enabler properly, truth be told, there are enough people in the business sector, enough people in uh, the other civil society and the like, who are willing to carry their part of the load to make this collaboration work together. But government really needs to commit, commit itself that I exist to ease the overall burden and the difficulties that you face and consequently come with an enabler mindset. Today, that is not the case. So that's the biggest hurdle to cross. If we are and a top-down brand that the government declares that this is brand Bangalore, it's not going to work. The brand Bangalore is a lived experience. It's a perception for people who haven't come here. So it's a mixture of many things and it's pretty complicated. So it cannot be a diktat that this is brand Bangalore. And to your earlier point about the innovation hub, innovation and all these things are very techy at the end of the day. And Bangalore is much more than just a tech paradise or a tech nightmare, depending on how you look at it. There are many, many other people who live and make that whole innovation hub tech stories successful. So I think things like just saying it's tech or innovation doesn't catch it. Among all the definitions I've seen, honestly, I like this a city of new beginnings mm -hmm. because in more ways than one, the idea of new beginnings can mean different things for different people. And consequently, it has a certain individual resonance depending on the stage of life that you are in. I know in a, in a very, I mean, uh, they've even talked to people who are dating, who are hopeful of new beginnings of finding their partner and moving on in life. So new beginnings are different slices of your life. And Bangalore being a non-judgmental city in more ways than one compared to many other cities, which are a lot more conservative, actually, in a way, allows you to be what you wish to be. Yeah, even getting a bicycle track and getting bicycles going is a new beginning. So it applies to collective, it applies to the individual, it applies to innovation, it could apply to art. You make a new beginning in reading a new book, then you've gotten into literature. Tell me about this Unboxing Bengaluru Hubba itself, the two-week jamboree you guys have planned. Um, how did it come about? Who thought about it? Why? Who, who's putting this together? What are you all doing? A lowdown because it's very close by and I would like to release this podcast just before uh, so people can hear about it as well. Thank you. So this runs from December 1st to 11th this year. Mm -hmm. It's the brainchild of Prashant Prakash. I mean... Uh, he runs uh, VC Fund. He's also, along with Malini Goel, the author of Unboxing Bengaluru, which by the time you hear this podcast would have uh, launched. It's launching in the middle of November. So it's a book. So he had this idea. Bangalore needs to be known for more than all its troubles. And as the book came together, he just realized that Bangalore is more than the sum of its parts. There's something which is much larger in his head. He wanted to capture it in the, an idea of a festival, a utsava, habba, whatever you want to call it, which celebrates the best of Bangalore and not the cribs of Bangalore. So that is basically, it was his vision, his idea. 
that he wanted to do this. So under the unboxing Bangalore, he created a small team of three or four people who help out on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I basically see him as some kind of a local Santa, though his name, of course, we are recording it on Diwali Day. Prashant Prakash is appropriate for the Festival of Lights. And we see ourselves as being elves running around trying to do it. Now, since I'm relatively unemployed and free to do many things, you know, as a gentleman of leisure, I put up my hand and said, look, I'm happy to try and make year one of the festival possible in an honorary capacity. So I'm right now currently involved in driving the festival, scaling it up and the like is basically what I'm focused on currently. There is a back-end team of four or five people who are helping us and there's a whole load of partners who have come on board. So what's the basic proposition of unboxing Bangalore Hapa? So it's a collection of partners. It started with actually three very mature mini festivals in the city. The Bangalore Literature Festival, of which I'm a part of. The Bangalore Tech Summit, which is a government-come-private initiative. And the Bangalore Design Week, which is a predominantly private initiative with some government support. So these were the three which were relatively mature. And when this idea was posed, all three said, we are happy to be part of Unbox Bangalore. So even though we will do our own thing, and we'll have our own identity as the Tech Summit or the Lit Fest or the Design Week. We are ready to come under this umbrella brand, which is called the Unboxing Bangalore Hubba. So using those three mature entities, we started going after talking to people, saying, are you willing to come on board? Today, we have about 12 sectors or categories under which we have grouped people. And we have given it interesting names. I mean, you can check them out in the unboxingblrhubba.com. Uh, uh, web, website. It's a work in development website. It'll have all the events that are happening. So under that, for example, you'll see there is Tech Halli, there is Lit Nagara, there is uh, Green Maidana, there is uh, Public Jaga, there is Ranga Kate, so uh, there is Tindipuram. So it's it's the entire gamut of dance, theater, music, uh, eating, heritage walks, uh, public spaces, design, you name it. It's a very diverse group. As we record this, hey. what I mentioned about three has now grown mm -hmm. to 38 partners. Mm -hmm. Now, the 38 partners are self-sufficient and manage their own events. So they curate their events. They decide whether it should be free or ticketed. For example, Bangalore International Center that I run is also part of it. Our events are all free. Somebody else, its event could be ticketed. It all depends on the economics of how they can pull it off. Essentially, there is no central kitty doling out money, but individual people who curate, create a sub-property and say, I am willing to bring this under the unboxing Bangalore hubba. For example, BIC has called itself as Experience BIC during that particular thing. And we are putting together 35, 40 events during that time period. So each person, each organization is uh, the Indian music experience is doing music in the city. Museum of Art and Photography is doing Art is Life. So different people are coming up with different properties. The question then arises and which every partner who's getting onboarded asks, I can do this, but what are you doing for me as unboxing Bangalore Hapa? It's a very logical question. So at one level, while we are an aggregator of the festival, there are two distinct things that unboxing Bangalore Hapa does. It creates the overall brand awareness, just like you have serendipity in Goa, you have the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. or So you have this umbrella brand under which a whole lot of sub-brands uh, flourish. 
So unboxing Bangalore Habba is spending money, and that's what Prashant has enabled uh, through his contribution. The outreach, so whether it be the website or the social media channels or what you will see at the airport and the railway stations and the metro stations and the malls, that whole branding and the outreach and saying which event is happening, why you can do your reservations here, all that stuff is being handled by Unboxing Bangalore as something to enable the festival. The second thing is some of the organizers want some government spaces. They want maybe the Kaman Park bandstand or they want something in Lal Bagh. So while the government is agreed in principle that this is a good thing for us to do, they are said, tell us where, how we can help. So we have said that we'd like permission for using some of these spaces for what we would like to do. And the government has said, okay, bring those submissions to me. So we are telling our partners, if you want to go out of your venue and do this in the public space, we are happy to liaise with the government and get you the requisite permission. It may not happen in all cases, but wherever it is feasible and you're willing to live by the rules of the government department in that area, we are happy to enable it. So this is what Unbox, back, Unboxing Bengaluru Habba is doing at its own. It runs from December 1st to 11th. I mean, this is year one. So we will stumble. There will be the glitches. All that stuff is going to happen. The idea really is to put a flag. Like, you know, Chennai, for example, it's known for its Carnatic music season in December. The serendipity in Goa in the second half, it's, I think it starts on 15th of December for about 8-10 days, is known for a certain set of arts and culture in Goa. So our, our point really was, everybody can't go to these places or may not even be interested. And some of them are focused on certain aspects. We said, why don't we do something which has something for everybody? So actually, originally, the festival was December 1st to 10th. But the moment we came to know that the Kadlakai Parishay starts on the 11th, we immediately changed the date to December 1st to 11th. And the Kadlakai Parishay is also part of the unboxing Bangalore Habba. So the whole effort is to be quite inclusive in what we do. Fair enough. I think it covers a lot. I was just looking at the website. I'll put the link in the show notes uh, so people can sign up and do whatever needs to be done. There is tech, there is lit nagara, there is the kalakuta, rangakate. So there's a lot of arts. There is uh, walking and food. There is crafts, there is design, there's public spaces, and there is green, the Hasiru city. Now, I'll come to the literature thing, right? You have been a part of this Bangalore Lit Fest. I'd like you to, in fact, I want to, like I mentioned, wanted to do an episode on literature and its ties with the city. Where do you rate Bengaluru in the literature scene? I know it's not great, but I always, when I come to Church Street or anything, it's always about the books. It's always about a bookstore. I somehow feel we were quite okay. I don't know how it rates. You might know more. Uh, tell us about the journey of literature and its ties with uh, the city. Has it? Where does it rate? I have no clue. You know, the Church Street you mentioned is one of the few unique book streets in the country mm -hmm. where there are so many bookshops in that small stretch. It's quite unique. But moving on specifically to the literature festival, I know I'm biased, but I would say that after Jaipur, mm. We would be, I mean, Jaipur Lit Fest is clearly in a league apart. I mean, in terms of scale, global recognition, etc. But within the country, mm. you know, conservatively, there are over 100 literature festivals held every year in this country. Over 100. Okay. Oh, wow. So, Bangalore Lit Fest is just one of that. Okay. In my head, we are clearly among the top five literature festivals in the country. 
I mean, mm. a lot of authors who have come here have said that. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's a two-day festival over the weekend of December 2nd and 3rd at the Lalita Shop this year. And we typically get footfalls between 20,000 to 25,000 over the two days. We have over 250 authors and speakers. We have over 250, 300 sessions that happen at the Bangalore Lit Fest. Seven stages in all, including children. So it's fairly large community, free to enter, uh, no charges. And what makes it unique is something else, Satya. We are the only festival in the country, to my knowledge, which is community funded. This is the 12th edition and we are a brandless festival. It is a bunch of individuals called the Friends of BLF. Mm. So far, we have 85 on, of them on board for this year. Individuals have come forward and write a check. And that is what makes the festival possible. And consequently, the festival runs sans any brand. So you don't have corporate brands or cross-selling. So there's a sudden purity of purpose. The people who work at the festival, uh, the core team and our volunteers, it's all, it's like a college festival on steroids. None of us are paid. We're just doing it as a labor of love for the city because we like organizing such a thing. We like to bring the community together. And we like the whole habit of reading and the like. So that is really what we basically end up doing in uh, the Bangalore Literature Festival. It's growing from year to year. It's unfortunate that we don't have larger public spaces that we can use. So it's been at Lalit Ashok for the last few years, except during the COVID break. Because we are also keen that the hotel and the venue is integrated so that we don't get into transport logistics in Bangalore, it's much easier to just come down the elevator and go to your session for the author. This is what it is. But there's an interesting thing that we are going to do for the Bangalore Lit Fest this year, which will appeal to you. Mm. Is uh, We are embracing the personal to public from the Vidhan Sauda metro station, especially for people who are coming in from the Whitefield Belt, the purple line. There will be a continuous shuttle bus that will run from not one, but many that will run in a circle from there to Lalita Shok and back right through the day. So the idea really is we are also in our own way trying to promote the idea that while we do these festivals, particularly at concentrated locations, can we think about enabling personal to public on a regular basis? Uh, we are in touch, you know, Srinivas Salwali of WRI is in touch with BMTC, is helping us and BMTC is willing to enable the bus uh, uh, kind of circuit, a 30-seater kind of bus uh, in that in that circuit. So we are thinking beyond not just the books and what happens at Lalitha Show, but the experience of getting there. And in our own small way, can we use these kind of popular city events to send across a larger public message? It's a plastic-free place, so we don't have, we don't allow uh, plastic bottles at, uh, uh, at Lalitha Show. So in our little way, sustainability, uh, public transport, etc., is also something that we are trying to build into what is otherwise a pure literary event. But a pure literary event in a city like Bengaluru, has it found takers? Has it been, has, do you see it increasing? Do you see support increasing for your, for your festival? Beyond that, does that mean it translates to lesser interest outside or more interest outside? Are people reading more books or reading less books? 
how how do you see that space at all i don't i don't know much about it literature and bengaluru is not usually linked it's mostly just writing code and the city so where does this fit in so when i take the first year in 2000 i mean 11 years ago this is the 12th edition but mm. go back over a decade ago the first bangalore lit fest got 5000 people last year's lit fest got 25000 people so it's a 5x increase in 11 years so which compared to stock market growths which are typically a 2x increase uh in every 6 years so in 12 years you have a 4x we're slightly be- performing better than the stock market of course we are constrained by space and where we can hold it i personally think it has generated a lot of interest the bangalore lit fest is pretty unique in the sense that we integrate a lot of bhasha kannada in particular over 15 of the sessions are kannada sessions so we try to be more inclusive out there but if i have to take a yardstick of book clubs that have sprung up in the city the kaban reads which is an amazing phenomena of two individuals harsh and shruti they just started kaban reads as a silent read in kaban park mm-hmm. today that has over 700 800 people who are part of kaban reads uh, all of them may not come up every week but and incidentally kaban reads is also part of the unboxing bangalore hubba we are calling it bangalore reads and it will be in kaban park lalbagh and whitefield and kaban reads has become so popular it's gone so viral that you now have gurugram reads and various other places in the country copying from bangalore so to answer your question you'll be surprised what you keep thinking of tech tech and interested maybe in pubs and no interest in books is not necessarily the case and even if i see what's happening at bangalore international center where we do a lot of book based sessions uh, the turnout for those things are pretty high it's great to see a lot of youngsters below 35 at those book sessions it's not just the old people with time on their hands and we have recently started ex- experimenting with uh, silent reading in our library over the weekends at the BIC I'm talking about and from one or two readers we now finding that 20 25 people are coming and spending the day there just a these all anecdotal kind of uh, experiences that one sees are happening in the city so the my sense is it's increasing i mean you may read it on kindle you may not buy the hard copy of the book but i think the reading habit is alive and thriving i just want to jump into some of these other things that are there which are these uh, things like open streets walking tours and hasiru uru which is environment friendly kind of thing you talked about your litfest being transport friendly uh, uh, environment friendly transport but there are these events which are not necessarily embraced already right you're not necessarily highlighting something that is existing you're looking to curate something that is good for the city and open right. streets is something that we need we need more pedestrian friendly streets we need we are talking about what we might need and what you what we think the city will uh ensure that it catches up and makes things happen as new beginnings you might call it right. if these are already struggling to hold space uh how do you think they fit into the branding are we are we trying to push in aspirational things into this should we should a brand only highlight what already exists or should it also look at some of these things as well how do you see that um, clearly it should look at aspirational things and things that we need to enable because the mature things like i mentioned the three mature sessions they will happen year on year hmm. it's there it's arrived it is a the important thing is really what makes a city come alive and i made that expression earlier said that thing earlier that is public spaces i'm a great believer in public spaces uh places for pedestrians parks people should be able to walk cycle without having to fear that they will get run over 
So stuff like that. Now, open streets, I mean, it's already happened in some parts of the city, but here we're going to hopefully do five pretty large stretches of streets uh, for open streets over two weekends. So that's roughly four days where it has both the male atmosphere, community coming together, food, crafts, games, reading, everything happening together. So that is going to be a very, very important part of what we are. And that is where we need government to help us by giving those spaces. Applications have been made to them in terms of what we want. So the idea of that is really to foster the community spirit uh, to come together. In my head, these kind of open streets once a month in every residential community must become the norm in future, not just during this hubba or when a newspaper does it at a particular point of time and says, I've done it in Malaysia or Montana or Bangla. It needs to really come up, uh, come up uh, across, across the city in the neighborhoods. I would actually say one weekend per month should be default open streets where people come, they do a farmer's market, there is some fun games, the community hangs out together, there's a little bit of busking, music, all that stuff, necessary. We are hoping that open streets leads to that demand, like the tender show project led to more demand for streets where pedestrians are protected. Now, when you come to something like Hasiru City, it's really, you know, in my head, I'm looking at it as actually blue and green both the water as well as the greenery kind of environment, sustainability. Uh, currently, we have two events there, but we are expecting it to balloon to about five, six partners there. So, for instance, the Bangalore Creative Circus, they actually want to do things in a fun way, but which moves the climate action plan agenda forward. So, they've actually called their sub-offering Sustainable Bangalore and actually try to do some fun elements around Sustainable Bangalore under the Hasuru city. Similarly, there's a very active birding community. They want non-birders to get to understand what, how thrilling it is to go out, see nature, spot birds, balcony birding, you name it. So they actually want to create a certain joy around birding and nature. Right now, we don't have anybody who has come forward as yet. On, I'm not talking about Kere Hapa. That happens at a different point of time. But someone who looks at, let's say, water, water sustainability, there are lots of possibilities when you talk about something like Hasiru City. So that is something that one is hoping to do in that place. So coming back to the public jaga, open streets is one example. But we have already got proposals which has not yet gone up on the, I mean, it will go up on the website by the time people see it. But for instance, uh, there is a group which WRI has enabled, which has, looked at a full range of solutions for Kanakapura Road, particularly that intersection with Outer Ring Road and Kanakapura Road. They've involved the community and come up with a composite solution. So they actually want to exhibit the contours of the solution in that area, in and around that area, get more people to come and have a look at it and get some conversations to flourish that change is possible and potentially this could be the direction of change. So we said we'd welcome that. I mean, um, there's another group that's come and said that under three or four flyovers during the unboxing Bangalore Habba, kind of like the ugly Indian, though this is not the ugly Indian group, they've said that we are ready to come and do community artwork mm. under two or three flyovers and make that happen during this period as a community effort. So these are what I would call off the beaten track, where we are trying to get the community involved 
in some kind of collective action thinking about the city in a manner that is the right way to think about a city sustainability and the like i know you will ask me and i might as well preempt this i don't see bicycling given that you are the bicycle mayor and i will answer it the answer satya you come up with a proposition for a bicycle tour during this period and we'd be happy to onboard that but except that you have to take the bottom line on uh, responsibility for it and do a cycling kind of maybe 200 cyclists going on a particular road on that day and we'll get the government permissions for you to go on that cycling rally coming to the heritage and city trails that's another area that one is very excited about so while about at least six or seven people who organize these city walks and tours have come on board the one very interesting one which is slightly offbeat is we plan to run trains uh, i mean that's going to be once a day which will leave at 8 am from the city or cantonment station and it will take you to there are four railway stations that are three which have been restored and uh, one which is being restored on the devanalli line including the nandi halt and the dordojala station the devanalli station and one other so the idea is to take people in the train stop at those stations get them to experience the restoration as it looked 100 150 years ago i get them to feel that restoration activity talk about the history of the place go from each of these stations because of the logistics of doing everything on the train is difficult the devanalli to nandi halt will happen on a bus but essentially in about 7 8 hours the thing to see four railway stations which have been restored a boganandeshwara temple we feel is a nice days out mm. and hopefully more if some architecture students take to it etc they will get a sense of what it means to conserve what was we inherited as a legacy from our ancestors in a certain sense so the heritage trail has some of those aspects the train ride is something unique there are lots of uh, plans on the table let's see which of these all succeed during the unboxing bangalore hubba it won't be for lack of trying we want to do as many as possible and we are onboarding every day two or three new partners who hear about this and then say look i also want to be part of it and this is what i'm willing to do the question really is uh, while spreading the wings in trying to aggregate everything that we see around us that many people are doing on their own right in the, the city is a composition of everybody doing something or the other you're aggregating that inside this hubba which is a celebration of all of those things it's such a nice thing to see but how does that relate to calling it the brand does this mean everything we do is anyway the brand or are we trying to give a name and a title which people can recognize you said bicycle mayor of bengaluru of course like revathi was saying uh, incidentally i'm going to swap this episode so that hers comes after because i had already recorded hers i'll have to apologize to her but this has to come earlier but she said something you might be known as a bicycle mayor but you do many other things as well so how does the brand then stick out of course i wouldn't want to just be pocketed with just one thing and that when you come here you get other things as well but we do get tagged with certain things right uh, i didn't want the champion of lost causes to be the title but sometimes if you repeat it often enough you don't can't shake it off so i'm trying not to say that in my introduction so where do you see this spread 
versus a focus building of a brand i'm still confused about that piece so you know this is not trying to build this as the bangalore brand this is a celebration of who we are what we are and what we can be this is essentially celebratory in nature there are things that get known about bangalore on traffic or garbage despite us this you can think as something proactively being done to showcase the best and the brightest and the good things about bangalore it is not necessarily that this will become the brand there is a fervent hope that the first two weeks of december in about 5 years time will become a go to destination which is different from the brand saying the unboxing bangalore hubba is happening just like jaipur is not defined only by the jaipur literature festival but for those 5 days that the jaipur literature festival is held everybody knows it is the town is effectively taken over by jaipur literature festival and that becomes the biggest act in jaipur jaipur has a life before it jaipur has a life after so i see the space for unboxing bangalore hubba similarly can we do this celebration for 11 days this time and hopefully over a period of time 15 days and go on with our lives before that and after that but there is this nice warm fuzzy memory something that you look forward to you know at the end of the day people look forward to dashara they look forward to diwali they look forward to eid they look forward to christmas depending on uh, uh where, where what your background is why not look forward to something like unboxing bangalore hapa which is an aggregation of a whole lot of festivals as you rightly put it and i really believe that by doing this aggregation it the sum it will be greater than the individual parts and all the partners here i mean if you leave out the lit fest and the design week and the, the, the summit that only happens here at this time all others have an identity independent of this so the bangalore international center or the indian music experience or the shunya or courtyard they are open 365 days a year there is activity happening so that is not going to stop but this is a little bit of focus saying and all those organizations are saying this is something that i'd like to do for bangalore food is going to be available at the restaurants that are part of this hubba before and after the hubba but during this hubba they may curate a special menu to celebrate this they may give discount offers for customers who come during this period so that's really how we see this but uh, just to conclude these things uh, how do you see governmental action on this versus all of the enthusiasm that's coming from the private and the civil society sector around this it's become a good excuse for many people to come and um, collaborate on many of these things and use that one week to say hey all of this is anyway happening right and uh, here's what's happening it's like it's a good thing do you see this that the infrastructure and other things are going to support this in some way not not the hubba alone but the continuity of the hubba and the long term sustainability of the celebration uh, where do you see that going do you think it will need a patron saint like you to keep it going continuously year on year for the next decade can an aggregation sustain itself i don't know it can, uh, it can. many so places have shown Mm-hmm. and it is possible it all depends on the success of year 1 and we we'll have to build on it and learn lessons from year 1 the reality is and as i interact with both government as well as citizens and civil society and rwas and a whole lot of people what i am amazed by is the amazing energy and enthusiasm of people in the city and i'm not really talking about government there is a huge desire 
to do better, to do their bit. It is also true a lot of them feel hamstrung by the constraints of what government has become. Unfortunately, government has become this 800-pound gorilla and we want to find ways to go over it, by the side of it, below it, anything but deal with it. And while government and politics is the problem, government and politics is also the solution. So we have to find ways and means to engage with these people. Hold the mirror and show, look, this is what is possible if we all come together. And if you can become more and more an enabler, I keep using that word, enable this whole thing. We will do the heavy lifting. But just help us with a little bit of light rise, a light enabling of, and don't deny us the permissions. Don't get into this mode of, this can't be done. That is not allowed. That kind of, what I would call the negative dampening kind of approach. Don't pour cold water on all the collective enthusiasm of the city. Is all that one seeks. And I must tell you that in so far as we have been discussing with government, so far all the cues we have got have been very, very positive in the context of unboxing Bangalore Habba. People have said, if you're not asking money of us, there's much we are ready to do. Because right now there is a money constraint. And fortunately for us, the Habba model is not asking money of government. We are saying, we will do it. Just help us do it. We are not asking big checks from you. There are some spendings that government in principle has agreed to do. For instance, we have asked saying that, can we identify 10 to 15 government buildings that will be lit, just like Vidhan Sauda is lit at certain times, from the 1st to 11th as part of your contribution, where some of these heritage buildings, which are government properties, are lit, while we will also get the private properties to be lit, so that the city has a festive look for those 11 days. They have agreed to do that. The Canada Culture uh, Department, uh, for instance, has said, look, we are happy to bring some uh, programs from Interior Karnataka and bring that to Bangalore so that Bangaloreans who don't have a chance to see some of those folk arts and music and dance and theatre, we are happy to enable that from our department. The BBMP has said, open streets and other things that you want, give us a list of everywhere where we can help you, where we can enable. They have said, we are happy to do that. We are happy to light some of the buildings that come under BBMP. So as we approach different departments, the horticulture department is an important stakeholder. So there's a, the tourism department clearly is not only an important stakeholder, it's somebody who will also stand to gain by what we end up doing out here as their departmental kind of, uh, what shall I say, activity. I'm actually at quite optimistic, though I call myself this patron saint of lost causes. The Hapa is an area where I'm finding that there is a meeting of minds. And one reason for that is because there's no ask for money and that helps. If you are willing to do things which are collaborative and not basically demanding money from them for that purpose, it is possible. Mm -hmm. It is when you want a lot of money to be spent for things you care about and resources are scarce, then there's a bit of a mismatch and there's a challenge in doing that. On the open streets, I think uh, one of the things people don't realize is while there were newspapers who did these uh, open streets in once in a while, they do obviously get more famous. The open streets was called Cycle Day and it happened for almost 10 years, for all, no, six years. The Cycle Days went on every Sunday. There would be a block. It was completely run by communities. It was happening every Sunday 
some place or other in the peak somewhere in bangalore at least in two three places in bangalore you used to have a road block for all kinds of activities and yes. whatever busking gyms and everything it happened for six years 50 community partners in the city and almost 500 cycle days have happened over the past six years but that apart uh, that is not very well known and i think we did a bad job of uh, not showing it to the people but the other thing is about this brand one last question is who gets to determine this two-week event? I mean, you have a good set of people who have said that we will do it in December. But probably the Chitrasante happens at a different time. Yes. The Karaga happens some other uh, days. So those guys will probably miss out, uh, right? If you focus everything on two weeks in a year and the calendar is spread throughout the year in many different areas, in many different places uh, where things might happen, would it be more useful for the brand to collate a calendar and say, hey, if you're interested in something like this, you could come in this week or this week or that week or whatever? I see this as a possible festival every month stringing up mm-hmm. around an anchor event, which is determines, in, like you mentioned, the Karaga. Mm-hmm. So the month and the time when Karaga happens, because it happens then, you could build that whole month, another set of activities, but with Karaga as the anchor kind of uh, festival celebration for that month. So once you do this, it is actually possible to have spin-off where we really become a city of celebration month after month. One grand one maybe in the end. Nobody gets to decide. I don't think there's one single determining authority. In the case of Unboxing Bangalore Hapa, it was opportunistic. There were three big events happening around this time. So, and it was nice, I mean, uh, in terms of December, easy decision to make. And December incidentally happens to be a month where the hospitality business is low because the inbound travel, Christmas, etc. is low. So there's a certain synergy in doing it in a month like December when hotels, even in the long run, will be easier to get rooms and the like. So given all this background, Prashant and us, some of us took the view, let's do it now. Mm. It doesn't stop anybody else from saying, I'd like to do another festival like this in another month. Nothing. It's silly. I mean, it's free for all in terms of who wishes to do what. But it will require resources, financial. It will require time resources. It will require a lot of things to pull these things off. I think there is a value in aggregation because then you bring notice to a two-week period in the year. But we also need to find ways by which many, many festivals of the city which happen at a different point of time, also gets celebrated. And I think that's going forward. It's an interesting challenge to apply one's mind to as to how do we do that. The reason I ask is June, the June 3rd is World Bicycle Day and uh, most of our focus tries to go into, and June 5th is World Environment Day. So most of all of these things start going there to try and strengthen. So the biggest ride I have of 3,000 people coming on a bicycling tour usually happens around that time. And trying to switch the calendars might be a little bit tricky. Well, if it means we lose out on this, it is what it is. We can create a brand Bangalore ride some other time and do it. But that's that's where I was coming from. Is there may be many scheduled events like Chitrasante, you know that. It happens next yes, to yes. the whole Chitra place. It's a beautiful. Important. Right. But so that's almost in December, but it's a little way away, or January, I think, whenever it is. So uh, th- that's what I was uh, trying to get at is that should the brand be just an just a, a part of one event or should it even include the others? Who, uh, how does the brand Bengaluru committee then look at all these hubbas? Yes, this is a good hubba. This is, I think, needed. Okay, so the brand gets... Bengaluru committee, though I happen to be a member, is not driving unboxing Bangalore hubba. Okay. It is, so, I mean, just so that to clear that confusion. 
I'm doing it in my individual capacity. And uh, if done right, I might end up doing more from for Brand Bangalore from outside the committee than from inside the committee. <laughs> because inside the committee, it's a little more difficult to get all the stakeholders to move within government. So this is really not a Brand Bangalore committee exercise. <laughs> this is an individual who had the idea, Prashant Prakash, and a group of us who believe that this is a good idea and let's get it done. And government willing to enable. That's how this has come together. Fair enough. And we have already laid out that we have a five-year five view of this festival. And this year, we are pulling off this festival with six weeks in notice and all preparation. So things started around October 15th and December 1st, we are going live. In future, the thinking will start immediately as soon as this festival ends. So you can expect more planning, more uh, clarity and more, uh, uh, what shall I say, thought through hubbas in the future because you're going to have the luxury of time. But of course, it'll also bring the challenge of finding the luxury of monetary resources and the like as we scale it. Wonderful. Thank you for spending time, Ravi, and explaining this. Uh, uh, so this is a call out to people to look up uh, the unboxing Bengaluru Hapa. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, you will probably watch this before December 1st. I'm trying to schedule it out of turn, moving some other guests out of the way so that uh, you guys can try and be a part of this. The uh, hubba.unboxingblr.com is the URL I am looking at. Anyway, I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks, Ravi, for coming on the show. And this is a call out to everyone else to come like, subscribe, and watch these videos and comment downstairs and tell us how you think about all of this, the brand, the hubbas, and many different things. Uh, looking for a lively interaction. Uh, thank you very much, Ravi, and see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Satya.